Welcome to Radically Honest Podcast. Through raw storytelling, we're going to demystify the true keys to success in our digital age through our shared humanity. Welcome back, everyone. It's your host, Assam Lee, and today I am joined with the Danny Faust. Correct me if I am saying that incorrectly. Oh, you got it right. I'm actually happily surprised. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Danny, for being on this podcast. We're so excited to dive into your many different career journeys and the brand that you've built for yourself online. It's really fascinating. So Danny Faust is an intuitive coach and energy healer. She is the podcast host of the Manifest It Sis podcast, which you have to listen to right after this episode. And she is a well-known life and wellness coach with a specialty in manifesting, in mindsets, and the magic behind it all. And she is a former blogger and blogging business coach. She's a mom of two, wife of one, currently living in South Florida with her family. I'm sure the weather's great over there, right? It is awesome. I love New York for a good reason. (laughs) Awesome. We're going to start off with the first question, just get right into it. So what was your why in choosing to start your businesses? And how did you leverage your social media platforms? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So my why, I'm going to sound so cliche right now. Are you ready for it? Yes. My kids. (laughs) I started a blog back in 2006 before I even knew what blogging was. I just started it for fun as a hobby. It started to pick up a little steam and get community around it. I got pregnant in 2011. After having my son, my plan was I'd go back to work after a year. But shortly after having him, I went to a blogging conference, blog her for anyone who's interested. It changed my viewpoint. I realized that I could actually make a living blogging. I was like, what? People are going to pay me to just talk about what I think and what I feel? (laughs) I am in. Having this little guy who just seemed to need me so much and just the amazing relationship and bond that I was building with him, I was like, there's no way I can leave him all day long and (laughs) come back and just have a few little hours at night with him. I had to. I felt like a call, a pull to do something that allowed me to be home. Even if it was working for someone else and wanted to be home, I'm not not very employable. (laughs) I'm going to be really straight up with you. I'm not very employable. So the why of him and wanting to be with him turned into just needing to do my own thing in order to be home with him versus doing something for someone else. And then when my daughter came around, it was just like I was locked in. There's no way that I'm going to be away from these kids all day when I can build something that helps people and stay home and do my first duty, which is being a mom for them. So that's incredible. It sounds like a very grounded why something so personal, but also so deeply ingrained to I'm sure your love for like helping others and helping people find their balance in their lives, starting your journey as an influencer slash entrepreneur. What was something difficult that you had to overcome? Gosh, there were so many. I mean, real talk, there were so many bits of adversity. I suffer from depression and anxiety. Sometimes it's it's crippling, girl. Sometimes it is intense. And then other times it's manageable. So navigating that is one beast into itself. Actually, the story that's coming up to mind right now, it was 2013. My husband was in a motorcycle accident. His leg was crushed and his foot was crushed. So he was bedridden for like over half a year. My son was one and he just found out that I was pregnant and I have difficult pregnancies. I was on half bed rest 
because the doctor couldn't put me on full bed rest because I had to take care of a bedridden husband and a toddler. <laughs> so I had a lot of heavy stuff going on. And that I think was the biggest multi-layered bit of adversity that I had to deal with. The fear and anxiety about the pregnancy, which was you know, scary in itself and would be scary all alone, <laughs> coupled with the fact that I couldn't lay down and rest, which is what the doctor said I needed to do most because I had my son. And the fact that I had to run this business, make it successful no matter what, because my husband was bedridden. He couldn't work. He was doing shift work, so he couldn't bring in his income. So now here I am with all these heavy things and I have the pressure to produce in my business. And at that time, I was coaching very minimally, dependent on my traffic on my blog and brand sponsorship deals on my blog and affiliate money to make a living so that, you know, we could eat <laughs> and pay rent at the time. Wow. There is so much to uncover here. This story that you have, Danny, is so fascinating. And I'm so grateful for your transparency from the very beginning. Give us a little background. Like, what was your life like growing up and what led you to? this point where you're starting your business and just very inspired by the possibilities of an online self-employed income. So I am the first entrepreneur in my entire family. Everyone is very nine to five, get a stable job, get your pension when you're done kind of situation. I scared my parents. <laughs> my jumping from job to job early on in life kind of got them nervous. And the fact that I was very intent on doing something for myself also kind of made them nervous. But I think they've come around now finally. But go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, maybe you get your graduate degree, you find a stable company and you work. Meanwhile, I'm a little la-di-da, and I said, I'm just going a different way. So I was kind of partying when I should have been studying, <laughs> but finally I, I buckled down, I got my degree. I started working in corporate, quickly realized that's just not for me. So I started doing a lot of moonlighting here and there. This is before kids, so I had the time and availability. I was doing photography, working at nightclubs, trying to do like nightlife work, and I was doing personal training. Personal training is what kind of turned me on, and I knew that I'm here to help. I've always been a helper by nature, but I knew that some way, somehow, I'm supposed to help specifically women make their lives happier and healthier. That personal training kind of led to it because at some points with my clients, it was like we had an hour-long session, but the first half hour was just talking about their problems, helping them through situations. And then I was like, oh yeah, maybe you should uh, pick up some weights. You know, <laughs> That kind of helped build my, my desire to, to go deeper with people and help them more than just this physical way. So that led to me getting my coaching certification. And I was doing that as well as blogging for a long time. The life coaching I was doing took a turn to be much more deep after I kind of opened up to my intuitive gifts that transformed my writing from writing about, you know, lifestyle blogging stuff that just took a whole back burner. It felt like it wasn't sufficient enough. I put my attention towards coaching and helping women with the intuitive side of things. And then I also forget the second part of your question. Sorry. <laughs> no worries at all. I just wanted to ask you, what are your streams of income very explicitly? And where did the passion come from? Did it come from your experiences in college, like from your major, from your knowledge background, or did it come from other experiences that you had? So I think it's a bit of an always burning from when I was a kid desire to help and fix. When I told you I was a partier, I mean, it was bad. I was making lots of wrong decisions. That led me to personal development for myself. 
And after turning my life around, I recognized that, oh my gosh, so many people could use this. I'm sure so many people don't know that this is a thing, like personal development, the manifesting side of things, especially because that was early 2000s, late 1999 to 2003, 2006. People were still kind of in the closet about wanting to do better for themselves. Like people wouldn't read a self-help book in public. You know, it's kind of shameful to want to fix yourself and therapy wasn't as popular as it is now. So folks have got to learn how to, you know, set their goals and be productive and manifest what they want. So I used it on myself and then figured, okay, I'm sharing it. My streams of income right now are one-on-one coaching. I am shortly coming out with a group coaching program. It starts later in August. So I do psychic readings, intuitive readings, and energy clearings for people. I still do a little bit of influencer work as it comes up. I don't seek it out, but when a brand comes to me, I'm not turning down money, okay, to some. So I will do a sponsored post on my Instagram for a brand or a sponsored blog post when it comes up will always accept sponsored content for my podcast as well. That is really, really cool. And I'm sure many lives have been positively impacted by your work. We touched on your initial adversity, the the push that you had to begin being your own boss, and then your streams of income, making those lucrative. But but as you reflect on that journey, like which key points have you felt like the most in touch with your humanity, whether that's empathy or internal motivation to build a brand, etc. Wow. Yeah, I think after I turned my life around, it turned from a desire to help in like a vague way into what felt like a duty and a passion to help. I really am passionate now about women recognizing their power, recognizing that they can do whatever they want, have whatever they want, be whatever they want. It feels like a universal truth that so many women forget and I just really want to help them remember who they truly are. So it's it's that duty I feel is my purpose. But then there's also the empathy because I am an empath, that spiritual side of things, being able to feel where a person's coming from and know that I have the tools to can, that can help guide them toward what is their ultimate happiness. I think that's where I have that touch of my, uh, how do you call it, humanity. No, that's incredible. Thank you for, for that insight. As a female business owner, how did you realize that like females around you and all across the world are lacking that bit of self-affirmation and the realization that they are inherently powerful? First me. I saw it with myself and what I had to do to transform my life. I noticed it with my friends and the conversations that we're having and then in online spaces. And also when I write, I'm very candid. You, I'm telling you my whole life here, girl. So I'm very candid when I write as well. So people reaching out to me on the blog with something that I wrote that impacted them. I noticed that people kind of had the same struggles of like self-belief and self-worth and confidence issues like imposter syndrome. A lot of people are kind of putting their desires on a pedestal or putting what they want as like far out in the future. And I just noticed these women need the tactics and the tips to get them to what they want, like right now, <laughs> as soon as possible. I just felt the need, like, I have an answer, guys. Here's one of the answers you can use. And I just feel like I can scream it from the mountaintops to all the women. I know every coach kind of approaches it in different ways and different spiritual teachers approach it in different ways. But I know that there's a certain subset of women who resonate with the way I'm sharing this message. And I don't care who they get the message from as long as they get the message that they can, that they're like ultimately super powerful and can do whatever the heck they want. 
I could sense your passion pulsing through this just audio <laughs> recording. I want to connect that to your podcast, Manifest It Sis. I think it's just like this, but even more powerful. So what was your mission behind that? At what point in your career journey did you say, I think a podcast is the best way to deliver my message? First of all, yours is going to be super powerful as well. So don't discount it. I'm excited for you and I'm excited for this Thank and all the so people much. you're going to reach. My pleasure. Thank you for doing it. I'm glad that you listened to the call in your heart to start it. It was very recently that I decided that a podcast was going to be the thing for me. I was kind of battling a little bit of imposter syndrome myself because I know that there's so many manifesting and personal development and wellness podcasts out there. I had a call actually with a client who was hemming and hawing about starting a blog and I heard myself giving her the advice that I needed. I was like, so what if there's a million blogs out there? No one's going to do it like you, blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of advice that get out there and do it. And then as I'm saying this to her and transforming her mindset around it, it really transformed my own mindset about starting the podcast. I'm like, what am I waiting for? <laughs> if I can empower her to do it, what, what am I doing with myself? So the mission was to help specifically women of color, but it is open to everybody kind of own their power recognize that they can manifest the life of their dreams. They can be, do, and have everything they want. And I think that sometimes when people hear the word manifest, they're like, huh? So what I do is I kind of take manifesting or bringing your desires into reality or goal setting, whichever language you want to speak. I take that and I break it down. I talk about the science behind things. I talk about it in very practical, relatable language. And then I also talk about the more spiritual and woo-woo side because I am very woo-woo, but Look, I'm also a Virgo. I need it plain and practical as well. So my mission was to make these concepts really chill, really understandable and relatable and give lots of examples so that people can see themselves in the information and recognize how it's going to work for them. Listen, I want to change the world and this is the only way I can do it right now. <laughs> so that's what started Manifested Sis. Yes, and I, I totally agree. What are your main mottos in life that you instill in your audience? Gosh, I mean, leading with love. That's the one that I go with a lot. We have to recognize that everyone that we encounter is dealing with something. <laughs> we don't know what it is, but we always have to remember that old adage of like treating others as you would have them treat you. It might be trite, but it's legit. And we have to lead with love in our interactions with people all the time because we are love. At our core, we are love, and so is everyone else. We just have to help others remember it by being that light. Having a loving interaction, that means giving people grace, forgiving, not getting in your feelings if someone bumps you, saying, excuse me, oh, pardon me. Leading with a loving spirit is <sighs> crucial right now. I, I believe it's life-changing for you and the person that you encounter. Even if there's no words exchanged that energy that you exude when you are leading with love and your intention is to be loving to those you meet and encounter even if it's like a quick encounter like that that does something that changes the energy around you and that impacts everyone that you know comes into contact with you we all have this energy around us we have vibes that people can feel sense and pick up and the more we push out our energy with love the better the entire world is and I'm not being dramatic when I say entire world. I completely agree with you. I think that is a ridiculously important point, and I love that you emphasize it. Could you tell us stories of when this has been truly evident in your life? Hmm. Recently, I had a, a post go viral. This woman that I didn't know came into my DMs, 
And she, with this whole Black Lives Matter movement, I feel like people are starting to monetize, trying to monetize the Black Lives Matter movement. That's not okay, especially if you're not in that space doing that activism work on the regular. This woman popped into my DMs and asked me for free labor to basically exploit Black pain. I responded to her my first instinct was to cuss her out and I was like you know what this is a teaching moment Dan lead with love so I gently let her know my position and why I would not be participating in the project she was inviting me to and I suggested that she not do this project we went back and forth and I was leading with love each time trying to gently explain to her why it could be harmful why it would seem just indelicate at the moment with all that's going on listen it's taking a lot of energy for me to not even curse right now like I am a casual cursor <laughs> so it took a lot of energy for me to like choose my words very carefully and be as loving as I could as I gently tried to correct her ultimately I did and she's like oh my god I see the light I am not going to do this project thank you whatever but I put that up on social media and shared it because I think it was important for people to see how I handled it, that she was doing it, and how that she changed her mind on the project. And it went viral for various reasons. Some people were just outraged that the woman asked in the first place, but a lot of people saw the way it was handled, and that was my point. They saw that it was there was no cussing and fussing and name-calling. It was gentle and love-filled, and I think that's the the main reason why it went viral because they saw that love was used to stop something that would have been legit harmful for a, a race of people. I, I love that story so much because if you communicate with like compassion, then it's they're probably going to be way more receptive. You had your kids, you you had to take care of your husband, you were going through so much. And could you tell us the the story behind like your your main adversity after you? overcame like the initial high excitement energy of like starting something new like the the maintenance journey essentially before my husband's accident it was really exciting I was on that you know new entrepreneur high <laughs> really on top of the world even though my my money wasn't up where it needed to be I was just really excited like I'm building something and it's helping people then when he had his accident it's like it all came crashing to a halt and I wasn't operating in the right space. I was operating from fear and lack and worry and anxiety and pain, you know, but I still kind of pushed through out of necessity. I was forced to take the actions that I took. Procrastination just wasn't an option. <laughs> not doing things was not an option because I don't want to starve or be homeless. After that period, my husband got better. You know, I had my daughter and things kind of leveled out. We relocated to South Florida, bought a home down here. And it's just, I don't want to say maintenance mode because there's always something. <laughs> and I'm a growth oriented person. So if there isn't anything, I will make something like, oh, new project, new idea. You know, the maintenance mode was really kind of recalibrating from that place of forced to take action and must go out of fear to recognizing like I'm safe. I am operating this business because I want to help operate from a, a space of love, a space of abundance and a space of like knowing that my business is the shit and people are going to do well with me. So it went from like worry to more confidence. And I won't say that I'm grateful for that level of adversity that I had to like trudge through, but I am grateful for who I realized I was on the other side of it. Had I not gone through all that drama, I'm not sure I would have moved across the country with my kids and my husband or brave enough to pivot from a business that was making a great living to 
dropping the blog and only coaching. It helped me know that I am super capable and super strong and can do hard things. Did I answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. You definitely <laughs> you definitely answered my question. I was I've just been like listening because I'm I'm so like in awe of your story and it's it's really inspiring. With pleasure. Would you say that because you were so passionate about the project, it was gonna help people? It definitely helped you get through all the personal adversity you're experiencing. Yes. So for sure having that that desire and drive to help and know that I am here on earth to help women. That was like this little seed that was planted and is growing. And I can look over at that little plant and be like, okay, it's growing. I'm going in the right direction. Despite all the drama that was going on, I had that as a nugget. But then I also had my other why, which was my children and knowing that I'm doing something great for them and they're going to watch their mom like be a CEO of a business that she started from nothing. <laughs> like she started from an idea and a WordPress site. That kind of also fueled me as well. My kids now are six and eight and they know that mommy's on the computer. She's working again. You know, <laughs> they come to see mommy as an independent person who is her own boss and takes care of business. And I want my son and my daughter to both see that helping my children in multiple layered ways kept me going too. I love that so much for women right now who are listening on this podcast that are doubting, like, can I have a family, like raise beautiful children and still do my dream job, work really hard and build a career for myself? What would you tell to them? Girl, prepare to get no sleep, but you can do it. <laughs> No, I mean, listen, I'm not going to pretend it is rainbow and sunshine all day long because it's not, it's hard. It is a lesson in creating boundaries and sticking to those boundaries. It is saying no to things sometimes. It is missing out on sleep sometimes. It is really learning how to prioritize and block your time and be militant with your time so that you get the things that you need to get done. And then it's also learning to be gentle with yourself when you fail. It's also learning to, you know, take time away and know that it's safe and okay for you to take time away and not go, go, go nonstop because you're going to break down and you don't want that burnout. So it's okay to step away. So there's a balance and for every woman, it's different. And so every woman, every mom is going to have to figure out what her balances by the, her value system and what matters most to her and what she's trying to pack into her days, weeks, months, years. To the women who are listening, who are moms or worried about motherhood and entrepreneurship, you can do it. A bajillion women before you have done it and you'll be able to do it too. So if that's what's stopping you from starting, girl, just start. Start now because you're never going to feel ready. Thank you so much. You're never going to feel ready. You're never going to feel completely adequate or qualified or even like prepared with all the resources necessary. So after your adversity, how did your personal and professional growth kind of evolve your mindset? It was kind of a shift that I am not a victim. I am not weak. I'm capable. I'm strong. I can do the hard things. Um, but also I had a lot of stories in my head about not being good at math, but I'm doing accounting for an entire business. So I think I'm okay with math now and I've got calculators. So, okay. And I had to change stories about not being able to speak in my voice and get business. Let me just tell you something real quick, especially if you guys are trying to be influencers, always use your voice. Be 100% yourself. I received so many warnings and helpful, I'm putting helpfuls in air quotes, okay, tips from people saying, oh, you got to stop cursing, you have to use good language or no brands are going to want to work with you. Legit, I work with Disney, 
nonstop. Disney's the most family brand in the world, and they fly me up to do events with them, and I partner with them all the time, and I curse like a sailor. Just know that you can speak your voice, share your message, and be an activist. I put a lot of like anti-racism type work stuff on my site and on my social, and I'm still working with brands, so if that's a concern for anyone, please know, don't worry about that. So with the blog, it was a real big concern of mine. Like, should I just copy what I see other successful people doing? Or should I just be my own weird self? And thank God I chose to be my own weird self because it worked out well. And then now with my coaching, my weird self is exactly why I get so much business. People want to do business with my crazy ass for some reason. <laughs> so, so it works out well. And if I was trying to have this beautiful aesthetic instead of my grungy real life, then who knows who I would attract and who knows if I'd actually be able to help these women and help them transform their lives because I'm already playing this make-believe game. So I think real recognizes real. So my mindset shift about being my real, full, authentic, loud self was one of the major shifts that helped me immensely. That's really awesome. What did you think was suppressing you from being that original, authentic self online and even in your personal life before the mindset shift. So that goes back to childhood, girl. That's like some limiting belief type stuff. I was told as a child, be seen, not heard. Every year in school, all of my report cards was Danielle talks too much. <laughs> so I was too loud in class and talking too much. So that I internalized this message of like, I'm too much. I'm too loud. No one wants to hear what I have to say. Be good, quiet, good girl, you know, seen and not heard. So I had those stories that I had to overcome. In my 20s, I started to, to overcome them a bit and speak up and was able to kind of put boundaries and check people when they were stepping over them. But then when it turned to business, it was like this new endeavor. And since it was so new, a little bit of imposter syndrome popped up for me. And I just, I didn't know how to navigate it. So that triggered this old wound of, I'm too much, I'm too loud, no one wants to hear what I have to say, that kind of stuff. And I had to work through that. And it took really working on my mindset actively. It took reading all the personal development books I could. It took therapy. It took coaching. It really took work for me to get through. Thank God I did. <laughs> I can't even imagine like how much work you have to put into yourself to the point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to let other people like experience the same healing that I did. And I think that's what happened for you. I think you really discovered yourself in your passion, your work, and then you were able to project that outwards. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to when you have like a difficult challenge in your life. I think that's really where you have the most opportunity to give. And that's so important. Absolutely. So running with your business, when did you become truly grateful for those hard lessons? And when did you realize, oh, this is actually a good foundation or the way that I'm going to live my life as, as a moral character. Mm. Gratitude has always been a big part of my life. Gosh, from my college days, you know, gratitude was a part of me. Wake up in the morning, do a little gratitude list. So I always had appreciation for things. And I was, a I was really always able to find the nuggets of appreciation. If there's one thing I can do to some is I can find you a silver lining. You can hand me a bowl of poop and I'll be like, Oh my God, well, it's a beautiful brown color and the bowl is nice. Like I will find a silver lining somewhere. I think that there were nuggets of gratitude throughout the whole journey. And it wasn't until recently that I was able to look back at that time period of my life when my, you know, my husband, that whole drama. It was only really recently that I was able to look back at it without 
pangs of regret and anger and disappointment. It was very recently that I was able to look back and say, you know what, this really did help me. I do think that had it not happened, something else would have helped my growth. Something else would have come along to help me turn into this woman that I am now. But who knows what that journey would have been. The, the journey I had was mine for a reason. And maybe the reason is so that I could tell this story right now and that someone listening here can see herself in my story and transform her life now. So it took a while for me to get there. But now I'm just like, my story is my story and I love it and it's dope. <laughs> Absolutely. It's definitely so important to own it, like own the life that you've lived and the experiences that you had and truly create that into value. And what other tools do you use to help you besides like your mindset? I mean, I feel like mindset is everything. Mindset and the energy is it. So I used a lot of journaling. I'm a big proponent of journaling. I did use tools like EFT, which is the emotional freedom technique. You might've heard of it called tapping. And if anyone is wants to learn about it, check out the tapping solution or check out brad yates on youtube he's got a million tapping videos it looks a little silly but y'all it works and with affirmations and th and a lot of meditation oh my god girl meditation <laughs> helped a lot and i do a lot of visualization and journaling so my my trifecta is visualization meditation and journaling but early on, EFT really helped me with clearing things out. Again, therapy. I don't want anyone to ever like doubt the power of therapy. It helps talk therapy. Even if you just use like a BetterHelp app or one of those apps, use it. <laughs> it's so helpful. I actively tried to reprogram my brain with those tools and then reading all the self-help books I could. I noticed like the, that they all kind of approach you healing yourself from all these different uh, modalities. And I loved it because every book had a new way for me to kind of go in and try to fix <laughs> myself. I try to shorten that learning curve for everyone. I feel like I am like the amalgamation of all those tools. And now when I talk to a client, I can help them get to transformation way faster than I did because I can kind of tap into them intuitively and what tools would help them best and then throw that at them or what book might serve them best and throw that at them. Yes, well-being, being centered, being balanced is so ridiculously important. But as you grow your brand, how are you able to differentiate yourself? Because like you said, there's so many self-help, motivational people out there, but you want to create a brand that's unique to you. Yeah, I struggled with this for a while because I was worried like, oh my gosh, what is my differentiator? What do I do? How do I? And then I had to stop and just start talking. My differentiator is that I'm Danielle Faust, <laughs> period. And I speak the way I speak. I share what I share without thinking about, is this on brand? Who else is doing this? Is this going to come off as XYZ? No. If it feels like this is something good to share with my audience, I share it, period. I don't have like a list of, okay, well, this is the industry norm, and this is what I'm going to do over here. I, I don't have that, and that's not how my brain works. I just know I'm here to serve, and I'm here to give Danielle to these people and share the personal development, the manifesting, the wellness, the woo-woo, the practical with the world from Danielle's voice and Danielle's experience. So I am the differentiator. Just like you and your podcast, you're the differentiator. And everyone who's listening, if you're sitting around worried about branding and what colors and what's the vibe, you are the differentiator. It does not matter 
what colors you use on your blog or your site, what your color scheme or aesthetic is on your Instagram. It does not matter. What matters is how you make people feel. And no one's going to feel your freaking color scheme. They're going to feel your words and the energy that you're putting into what you're putting out. Wow, that is insanely crucial. I am getting motivated over here, like as I'm listening <laughs> to you talk. And I'm just curious to ask, like, what was your major in college and how did you overcome the technical challenges of starting a business? Oh my God, I'm still navigating the technical challenges. Jesus Louise. Um, I don't know how I ran a blog. I am the worst with this. <laughs> in college, my major was, what was my major? Oh, health. My major was health, health education and promotion. My minor was psych and English. And I, thought I was going to go work in a doing kind of social work type stuff in the health related world, maybe doing some advocacy around obesity related diseases or something. I, I just felt like I was in the fitness health kind of world. And that's what led me to start the personal training back in the day. But alas, I had to go deeper. That's what was college life. As for the technical aspects of starting my business, goodness gracious, listen, it still messes me up. I don't even know how I get this podcast out. <laughs> I am going to start outsourcing all the things because it's just too much to bear. But um, I really just was on the Googles figuring everything out. And also, I am not shy. I will hop into someone's inbox and say, hey, I noticed you've got an XYZ. How did you do that? Do you mind sharing? <laughs> and I will join Facebook groups for whatever the, the tool is that I'm trying to use and learn and ask all my questions there. I am not shy. I will find my answers or I'll hire help and let them find it for me. <laughs> it's so true. Like, don't ever feel shy to admit that you need help and look for that actively is such an important key. What else, Danny, would you attribute to your success? I mean, I feel like I am successful, but I'm still on my journey, my success journey. You know, I don't think it ever ends for me. Being myself, being resourceful, being coachable, knowing that I have a lot to learn and not thinking I've had it all figured out. You know how they say teenagers think they know everything? Like, I feel like there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are struggling because they think they know everything already or because they watched one guru, you know, show like, this is the way, this is the best marketing plan, this is the way to run your business, and it doesn't vibe with them. They're not making the strides that they thought they would because they're trying to do something that's really not the right judge for them. There's a woman, her name is uh, Emily Ahrens. She says that business is one size fits you, not one size fits all. So I feel like people need to learn a lot about all the different ways that you can do a thing until you find the one that resonates with you. I truly believe that business is intuitive and we all have intuition and we can all follow that gut instinct. We can look at a bunch of different ways of marketing ourselves, whether it's with a blog or a podcast or Instagram or Facebook Lives or Insta Stories or whatever. We can look at all these different ways, but one of them is for us. For me, I love a live video because I can just go on, talk to you, you feel my energy, and you work with me, or you don't. Things like curated Instagram feeds, not my thing. Fully edited, amazing YouTube videos, not my thing. And you have to figure out what your thing is. So being flexible and being able to know that you don't know anything <laughs> so that you can learn a thing is really crucial. Absolutely. I think it's so interesting how your authenticity has been so consistent in your brand building. And not only is it something that helps you differentiate yourself, but it's something that makes you more lucrative, more relatable, more connected with your audience. So could you break down the key differences between the highlight reel that people see online and what it truly takes to be an influencer slash entrepreneur? 
I have to preface it by I don't do that like super curated life is perfect la di da social media. So I know that a lot of my mom blogger friends do that and they do it well. What you see is the after. You don't see the millions of shots it took to get there. You don't see them bribing their children to sit and hold the toy still so that they can take the shot so they can get that cash. All the the grunt work. You don't see the rejection emails for when you're pitching to a brand. You don't see the lowball offers that the brand gives you. Then you have to negotiate and it can be grueling. What you see is that beautiful image, you know, the girl on the beach or whatever it is. You see this whitewashed kind of caption that doesn't really ring true. I don't do that type of social media. I try my best to be like, here's a thing, period. Take it or leave it. And, or I'll put like a little motivational thing or something funny because that's just, you know, that's what I like to see. So I put that out there for people. Remember, we kind of attract people who are on our same wavelength. So the more authentic you are, the better the person you attract is going to be for you and your brand. I think another difference of, than what you see is for me, I know that I, I tend to talk about uh, anxiety and depression, but I don't do it first person. I, I'll share things about it, but I don't share my personal struggles with it as much as I could. So that's something that I think I do have a boundary on. Now that I'm saying this out loud to you, that I'm going to start sharing more first person stories about my anxiety and depression and the ways that I have coped and dealt with it when it was in a more dire strength. Personally, I think that's it. And in general, I think it's the, the other stuff. Like you don't see the the messy house that they just push everything out of the way to get that one beautiful shot <laughs> behind them. It looks like a scene from Hoarders, you know? Yes, the behind the scenes is always a lot messier and a lot less glamorous than what people would expect it to be. But it's so important to expose essentially what it actually takes because then you feel like, oh, it's not something that I can't do. It's not that they're special and I'm disadvantaged. It's simply that they're willing to put in the work and maybe at this point I'm not. And on the note of dealing with anxiety and depression, which I think is is very relatable in our age, uh, would you mind if I challenge you to share a story, uh, like you said, that you, you've been wanting to do more of? All right, the song. Okay. Mm. When I had my daughter... My son was not yet two. My husband, he was healed up. He was back at work. And it was me, my almost two-year-old, my newborn, home alone, nonstop with just those two little babies, living far away from my mother, far away from my support system at large. I mean, digitally connected, but just far. That is when my, my anxiety ramped up to a level that it had never been before. I was getting panic attacks and I never used to get panic attacks before with my anxiety. So I was getting panic attacks and I was very fearful that I was going to drop the baby. Why? I'm not a Butterfingers, but that was like a part of my, this this crippling fear of I'm going to drop her. So I wasn't picking her up as much or I would pick her up at the couch or the bed and not like try to walk around the house with her. Anyway, that was going on. Then there was this depression and I since it was after my daughter I was like okay well this is the baby blues or maybe I'm having a little postpartum depression and this is normal but then it turned into this deep anger 
And I was like, well, I don't know if this is normal. <laughs> and at the time, you know, we were kind of financially strapped. My business was not where it is now, but it was still, you know, it was bringing in money. My husband was just back at work. We we're kind of trying to plug up the holes that were left from when he wasn't working. So I didn't have the money to see my therapist and my sadness and sorrow and worry turned to rage. And I ended up later being diagnosed with postpartum rage. And I just, I want, I wanted to kill everybody. <laughs> Nobody could do any right. And I just wanted to kill everyone. And you know, who took the brunt of it was my poor husband. <laughs> so, so I was like in this place where I was, I almost didn't want to interact with him because I knew something was going on, air quote, wrong in my brain. And I knew that I didn't want to lash out at him because this had to be hormonal. This had to be something from the postpartum. You know, I was just so like, I felt very tight and like I made myself into like a smaller shell because I didn't want to explode. <laughs> and somehow it was like, I could compartmentalize it with my son. I was able to be like, okay let's play with the blocks and like everything was fine but then everyone else in the world I wanted to like get on a dragon like Daenerys and like bomb them with fire I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones but like that's what I wanted to do to the entire world and I was like this cannot be normal <laughs> eventually was able to find um, a free resource to help me out and like put a a name to it, like postpartum rage is a real thing. So me wanting to kill everybody was like, I am not a homicidal maniac. This is something, <laughs> don't worry, you'll get better. <laughs> so that is one story that I don't think I shared publicly before, but I did share with a friend who also had mentioned that she had postpartum rage. And I was like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one who had that. Legit, I thought someone, that they were making it up at the office when I when they told me about it. I was like, they're making this up. Like even that, still that voice in my head was like, no, it's not real. Something's wrong with me. I'm a homicidal maniac. I'm going to kill the whole world. Like what's going on? So that, there's my story for you. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I really loved the story and I thank you for your honesty and transparency and sharing it that, that with us. But what did that do for you? Just putting a name to it. The first step is always acceptance, realizing that it's something that you can overcome, that it doesn't control you, you control it. Yeah, at first I wasn't there. Not at, not at all. I was like, what's going on with me? Is my brain broken? Why can't I just be normal? And that's the same thing I kind of felt in initially after being diagnosed with uh, general anxiety disorder and depression. I was like, well, why am I broken? Like, what's going on? It, it took a while for me to be like, ugh, fine, okay, let me, you know, get on meds, let me get on therapy, let me just fix my crazy self, you know? And, and dealing with feeling like I am crazy or broken was a big deal for me. You know, the more I learned, the more I read, the more I learned about the brain and the more I learned about depression at large, I, it normalized it for me and joining forums on honestly helped me seeing like other crazies <laughs> out there. I was like, oh, they're crazy too. Okay. Maybe crazy is normal. <laughs> so it, it just kind of, it helped to normalize it for me, but I did not get to a place of like, oh, this is something to overcome and I'm going to be great. It took me a while to get there. I had shame. I felt like something was wrong with me and like, oh, now I have to take a pill every day to be normal. That's not what I wanted. I mean, ultimately I was able to get off of of meds and like be okay with other self-help but at the time I was just like I'm broken and it was really hard to get through mm. 
wow, I, I can't even imagine what that must feel like to think that something is inherently wrong with you. And it's almost like out of your control, as if it's something that you didn't want to bring upon yourself, but like somehow it happened and you can't seem to shake it off. And I think that is a lot of people's mindset sometimes like they feel so limited by their illness or whatever else they're going through. And when you overcame that, what do you realize about like mental illnesses? Yeah, um, I just want to add there was a very large cultural component to this. So I'm black. My, my dad's black African American. My mom's black Jamaican. Culturally, there's this like stereotype air quotes, black people don't go to therapy. You know, black people don't seek help for mental illnesses. They just explain it away, ignore it. So I had this like cultural hurdle to get over. What am I doing going to therapy? Like, what is this? This is not what we do. So there was that kind of mental issue to get over on top of the fact that I'm feeling like I'm broken. That postpartum rage diagnosis and the little time after that is what really made me kind of double down on the leading with love thing. I look in the mirror, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm combing my hair. I am looking, air quote, normal. No one knows just by looking at me that I, what is going on inside. No one knows if I am mentally denarising and burning them down with my dragon or if I'm singing show tunes in my head. No one knows what's going on in there. They just look at me and see another human. And that kind of made me realize, like, I don't know what's going on in anyone's head either. And they could be just barely holding it together. You know, the cashier checking me out, who's not making eye contact. Like, I could think, oh, she's rude. She's not even saying hello. She could be, like, on the brink of, like, okay, I'm going to kill myself when I get home. You don't know where she's at. You don't know where she's, what's going on in her head. And that's part of what made me really double down on, I'm going to lead with love because who knows what folks are going through. I always want to leave a loving energy with them just in case that loving energy helps them not hurt themselves in some, you know, in some small way, you know, my smile and thank you so much might help someone who might be thinking like everyone hates me, you know, or the compliment I give might cheer someone up and change their trajectory of the day. It strengthened my belief in, in the fact that we need to lead with love and, and be loving, more loving in our interactions at large. But it also made me a lot more gentle. And listen, like I said, I'm a product of a Jamaican mother that is tough love all the way. <laughs> like, and I will, I'm still tough love when I speak sometimes, but it's coming from a loving place. But it helped me recognize that I need to be gentler in my speech with others because I don't know how fragile they may be. And I noticed that when I was really in the worst of things, someone could say, hey, Danny. And I would lose my shit because they said, hey, they didn't say hello. They don't respect me. Like, who knows? Like, I could go crazy in my mind with something very, very small to someone else. So being gentle in my speech uh, is another thing that kind of was impacted by my diagnosis and, and the way I think of others who might have been diagnosed or not yet diagnosed either. Because there's a lot of people who are undiagnosed walking around, feeling wrong, feeling different and not knowing why and just not yet diagnosed to know like girl it's normal you're not crazy you just have xyz mm. that insight is so beautiful because i truly truly believe it's so important to realize you're not alone and your kindness can project and speak volumes even through the smallest of actions as we're coming to a close here what raw and stripped down advice would you give any one of the generations who are truly hungry 
to think that like this is their time like they want to become an influencer or entrepreneur and they want to succeed i think i said it already do it just start start ugly start unprepared start afraid just start start as you when in doubt be yourself that is the rawest <laughs> i could say it just like be you because there's enough frauds and fakes and phonies and guess what we can tell when you're being fraudulent the energy is not right and you know it'll rub people the wrong way so be yourself and just start now you don't have to have all the answers you can find them out later just leap thank you so much danny was there ever a point where you decided not to be yourself so not to not be myself but to hold back myself yes it just stalled my progress and and it wasn't until i decided let me be myself that it it worked out when i started live streaming that was kind of a turning point in my business people got to see more of me and my and experience my energy but when i first started i was like okay i'm gonna say this intro and then i'm gonna say these three points and then you know and i'm just really trying to plan it out so much that's just not me <laughs> i'm more like let's have this conversation i'm going to talk about this listen i've forgotten the question you asked me like a million times in this podcast i forget what i'm saying in the middle of saying it often <laughs> and that's just i guess now i recognize as part of my charm but before i was just like oh my god people are gonna think i'm stupid and you know instead of asking wait what was your question i would just try to like talk my way around back and hope i answered it like what that you know so that's the way I kind of was hiding myself and not like letting my full weirdness shine but that ended pretty quickly because it's hard to hide I mean maybe I'm just not as good at it as other people are but it's it's hard to hide and I just had to just say F it let me be myself give them all of me if I forget what I'm saying mid-sentence which happens a lot on my lives guess what the people who are watching they say oh you were at the part when you da 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 and they just pick me right back up and I can keep going so I don't have to worry about those little small things and, oh no I'm gonna mess up and people are gonna think I'm dumb and, you know whatever was in my mind wow it truly shows that when you actually do again I love the word that you use shine like when you let yourself shine it's actually more appealing rather than less appealing, which we sometimes fear that we will become if we truly expose ourselves. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated having you. You were such a pleasure to have, and I'm so excited for everyone to just benefit from everything that you like shared with us today. Thank you for having me. Girl, I don't know. what You, you got some magic, Dasam, because I told you stories that I have not told anyone yet. <laughs> wow that's crazy thank you so much it is a huge honor once again is there anything that you want to tell the audience just right now if they were to change their life starting tomorrow the next 24 hours like what's one thing that you would tell them to do take a few minutes to either visualize or write down who you want to be the version of you that has everything you want write that person down describe them from head to toe describe their ideal day what do they eat what do they do how do they speak to people write that all down and then after you've done writing it read it over visualize it a little bit and then start to be that person just try your best to embody that version of you because that version that you wrote down is the real you that's your higher self that's who you really are are going towards so just try to embody her as or him as much as you can right now I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely going to do that as soon as this podcast ends because that is really, really great advice. You can find us on Instagram at Radically Honest Podcast, Twitter at Radically Pod, P-O-D, LinkedIn, Facebook, 
www.radicallyownerspodcast.com and the seven channels that our podcast episodes currently air on. So those are all available on the website. And every Tuesday we have a brand new episode, whether that's an influencer, an entrepreneur, or a professional coming at you. So thanks again for tuning in. And Danny, where can they find you? Thank you. And thanks again for having me. You are an awesome host. Bit.ly slash manifest with Danny. And that will take you to my coaching. You can find me on Instagram at the Danny Faust. I am on Facebook as Coach Danny Faust. And you can join my free Facebook community, the Lifestyle Redesign Lounge online. You can find me at okdanny.com. That's okdani.com. And you can click on work with me there to book a reading or coaching or just chat. Perfect. Thank you so much, Danny. And that is a wrap for today's episode. Have a great day, everyone. And we'll talk to you the next one. Bye.